Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to Royal Street Radio. I'm the usual co-host here without my co-host Matthew Lamar tonight, but I am joined by uh, guest host emeritus, guest emeritus, and uh, the overlord of the site, uh, Max, Max Reaper. What's going on, Max? Hey, Sean. Uh, baseball season's underway, and I just want to give a shout-out to my son's youth baseball team that got started this week. Oh. It's the first year of kids' pitch. And uh, I'm, oh. I just want to say, if they, if my, man, Rob Manfred wants to focus on pace of play, he needs to start at the youth levels because that game took forever to play. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of walks going on at the youth level. What uh, do, does your son? Is he what position does he play? Uh, he plays second. Uh, he Ooh. wants to pitch. I don't know if he'll get a chance. I'm sure he'll get a chance at some point because I think they'll let a lot of kids get a chance. Yeah. Uh, but he. Uh, he wanted to throw. He's been like he wants to throw sliders and curveballs, and I was like, you know, just throw, yeah, throw fastballs in the general vicinity of home plate. And right, that's got to all we can ask for. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like... Okay, I didn't know if he got moved off a of shortstop yet, or if he was ever shortstop. Because <laughs> usually, usually they just. I mean, if you, yeah, I don't. Know. Anyways, all right. Uh, and then we yeah, also... usually they put the best player short. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, uh oh, yeah, but yeah, see, no, no, that's accurate. <laughs> but you know, but he's but he's a short. He's, he's a kid, so he's short, and he plays second base. So that's kind of my that's my kind of player. Uh, yeah. And then we're also joined by a kind of co-host-ish at this point, maybe honorary co-host, uh, Jeremy Hokaius. Jeremy. Howdy. Hi. You... I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Okay. Well. You are like third or fourth choice of a guest, so <clears throat> take what I can get. He's a, he was our first choice. Um, okay, perfect. So let's get the ball rolling on this miserable season so far. Uh, <laughs> the Royals won today, though, so they are now five and fourteen. Five and fourteen. Yes. Can, is that right? No, five and fifteen. Five and fifteen. Okay. That 15th win, it really sneaks up on or The 15th loss really sneaks up on you. But the White Sox, I guess they're better. Yeah, they're above the White Sox. So the White Sox are just like a, just a little bit worse. Um, oh, boy. So let's do, let's, let's, instead of, you know, wallowing in misery, what are some positives so far? 
Well, I think losing is a positive no, <laughs> franchise, frankly. Yeah. I mean, um, and I don't want to be, like, too, like, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, honestly, like, it's a good thing to lose. And I thought that I, and I kind of wrote an article about embracing embracing the suckitude. And, you know, I don't want, I think you should, like, cheer for losses. I don't think, you know, and it's hard as a fan to to see terrible play yeah. and, and losing baseball and, like, accept it. Uh, but... In the long run, you know, look, this team wasn't going to contend this year, probably. Um, and so if you're not going to contend, you need to be bad. You need to be really bad. And some teams are going out of their way to try to be bad, and the Royals are kind of making it look effortless. So, uh, you know, the, the losing is a, is, is a good thing. I mean, I think you don't want this team. The worst thing that could have happened is this team was kind of oh, yeah. a couple games under 500 all year. Dave Moore maybe thought this team had a, a run in them and, and, and held on to Mike Moustakas and Kelvin Herrera, and they ended up winning 78 games and then not, you know, end up with a, like a 12th pick in next year's draft. That's probably the worst case scenario. This this way, and look, they, they could bounce back this year. I don't think they're this bad. You know, I think they've probably been a little unlucky. They've, they've been horrible with runners in scoring position, which will probably even out. Their bullpen has been just disastrously awful, which uh, it will probably work work itself out as they shuttle some of the older arms out and get some some new blood in. They're missing Salvi, obviously. Yeah. Um, but but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long year in Kansas City. And and look, I think a lot of us kind of expected that. And if you're gonna be bad, then then you should be really bad. And the Royals are, are being are they're, they're playing really bad right now. And uh, you know, honestly, we have to embrace it right now. And and you know, if you're asking what are the good things, you know, some of the younger players are playing, you know better maybe than than you would expect like jake junis is off to a really good start jorge soler is off to a pretty good start um so you know i'm not i'm gonna be more keyed on on that rather than the wins and losses you know if they're winning games and it's mustakas and duda and soler is not playing well then i don't think that's a great outcome but if, if they're losing games and jorge soler is playing really well then i think that's probably a better outcome at this point yeah i know when we first kind of looked at the team we thought like Oh, they're not trying to tank, but you know what? They might have been subtly tanking because there's, there's, there's a lot of bad on this team. Uh, but Jeremy, what do you think? What's been a positive other than just not winning? Um, you know, I it's there's at least a couple guys to look for, right? So you got Danny Duffy. You can watch in the rotation. Has been joined by, uh, as Max said, has been joined by Jacob Junis, and then um, Whit Merrifield didn't completely disappear yeah um jorge soler has has you know the last couple weeks at least started to look like uh maybe he can hit a little baseball and uh yeah there's there's you, at least a couple guys to to watch and for the first couple weeks there was just nothing what was the point but uh it's getting a little bit better yeah uh yeah as you mentioned merrifield i think he he isn't quite. I mean, he's not doing. I'm pulling up right now. Uh, no, actually, spot on. 105 WRC. Well, actually, 109 with his home run today. So that's basically okay. what he's at last year. So yeah, that's been surprising. Uh, maybe not surprising, but that's been uh, a thing of note at least. And you know what? So fan. Gra- Correct me if I'm wrong here, but fan graphs. I, I know they updated their defensive metrics. Was Merrifield at three wins last year? 2.9. Does that sound right? That's all- that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I thought he was a little lower than that. I thought he got a bump up from the defensive metrics. Um, I got to look that up, but yeah, he, 109 WRC plus, and um, you know, played first base, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's kind of come around and hopefully kind of dispelled that. And let me ask, and Rainey, 
Disraeli and I kind of didn't argue about this, but we talked about this via Twitter. Um, no matter what, he needs to be gone by either this this July 31st or this winter, right? Merrifield? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'd be just rushing to get him out because I, I, I wonder what his trade value is. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, I think we kind of tend to overrate him a little bit in Kansas City just because aesthetically he's like a nice player to watch. He's kind of a typical hustle guy who plays all sorts of positions uh, and puts the ball in play. Seems to be kind of clutch or, you know, at least uh, come up with some big hits. And he has some power for a second baseman, which we've never really seen in Kansas City, at least, uh, you know, not in a really long time. So, um you know, but you, know, you look at his stats overall, and he's like, you know, a good second baseman, but not a great second baseman in the league. So, uh, but he's got a lot of controllable years left, and I guess that is actually the, what is really coveted in the market this year. So, I, I'm kind of curious to see what his trademark trade value is. Uh, but yeah, I think the Royals should should be shopping him. I, I guess an interesting question um, I was I was thinking of is, do you think that they're putting him all over the place at first base? left field, right field, center field, is that showcasing him a little bit for a trade, or is that just kind of mm-hmm. filling needs as they see fit? You know, they kind of did. So someone kind of brought this up when they mentioned, was it Dozier? It was Dozier, um, about first base. Playing the player at first base isn't really showcasing them. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. First base, not that anybody can play it. I know Ron Washington would agree, but uh, first base is not like, oh, we're showing off his versatility. You could literally put anybody at first base, and, and you know. But yeah, I mean, they're definitely playing him all around. I think at least, well, one because he's, I mean, he's probably the only guy on the team that can play kind of everywhere, really. Um, uh-huh. And then yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're maybe thinking it helped boost his value. I don't know how much it has. I mean, uh, but I mean, yeah, that's that's worth considering. What do you think, Jeremy? Um, I want to go back to what we were saying um, as far as trading him, ah. and I. I have this sneaking suspicion that he is more valuable to Kansas City, um, the fans and the the team, than he is to anybody else, and is just not going to be worth it to trade him. Hmm. Um, but as far as the position stuff, I it could be that they might be showcasing him a little bit. Uh, maybe not the the first base. The first base might be a little bit uh, just because somebody's got to play there, and we are not playing Duda against the lefty today. Yeah, but um, he's he's played second. He's played um, all over the outfield. Hasn't he played all three outfield spots already this year? And he feels like he has. Yeah, definitely center he, field. And he played um, third base last year, so he he's just all over the place and. I, I do think that it's a little bit of a showcase because there's they've certainly got other guys they can be playing at all these positions and they they choose to move him around to give everyone the days off. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys uh, are you guys uh, up in arms over the the lineups like a lot of Royals Twitter is? Uh, I know some people have gotten upset at all the playing time of the a- Abraham Amante waiver wire yeah. fodder uh, has been getting and he had a grand slam today. And, uh, you know, Paul Orlando, Ryan Goins is getting in the lineup a lot. I mean, is it, um, yeah, I don't know, should we care? I'm definitely, not, right now? definitely not jumping for joy with uh, yeah. with Almonte, you know, leading off at one point. I mean, I don't know. I definitely think that uh, they could do better than that. But I would like to see Soler 
lead off or at least definitely not sit for however many games in a row in you know oh yeah to get whatever to get orlando in the lineup or anything like that that's that's the heavy burden there that's the one that's just excuseless the did one... I miss something? Or did, like, John Jay forget how to play center field? Like, they just refused oh, yeah. to play him. And, like, he's played center field his whole career, and they refuse to play him there, even though there's not, like, a, a stable center fielder on this roster. It's just kind, yeah. of, kind of baffling to me that they must really hate his defense out there. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I. <sighs> it's kind of your classic Ned, and especially, I mean, didn't Cuthbert sit for a while? I don't know. They're just, they definitely are prioritizing I, I'm trying to get everybody to play. I saw a thing on Cuthbert's neck yesterday, like a oh, giant Mickey? bandage or hot cold thing. Hmm. And I wonder if, if maybe he had a strain or something that they weren't talking about, and maybe that's why he missed all those days. Okay. I, and I wonder, too, if that's why Solaris sat, sat a couple games, because yeah. you know he has an, you know, a history of injuries. And I know Ned specifically said they didn't want him playing in the turf in Toronto, which is notoriously bad. Oh, yeah. Knees. And um, I think they've sat him in some of the colder games for doubleheaders because of that. So, you know, people get in arms because they want to see Soler out there every day. And I do too, but I kind of get where they're coming from, resting him to kind of protect him for, for later in the year. Yeah. yeah. The, the lineup thing that bugs me the most is Drew Butera over Cam Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no excuse. Yeah. We know who Drew, Drew Butera is. We know that he's, he's not going to be trade worthy and he's not going to be well he shouldn't be on the roster next year um but we said that about Alcides Escobar and look where we are um so I would I would much rather see Cam Gallagher and and figure out can he at least be a backup for for Salvi next year or or what yeah I mean I don't know I'm with you on the Butera thing and that definitely is one where like and I mean it was kind of questionable when they signed Butera to begin with when they already had Gallagher and I know that uh, Jeffrey Flanagan was in that, oh, you know, I know Flanagan was a big fan of Butera thinking like something changed over the off season, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty well aware of who Drew Butera is at this point. And, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, he's any better, but yeah, but he's younger and he's got a little more upside Yeah, and he's cheaper. Yeah. They both, they're both batting a 40, Gallagher's at a 43 WRC plus. Butera's at a 44. So it's been, it's definitely been a big drop off uh, from not having Perez there. No, thank God he's coming back this week. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you, it, don't put your cart, don't put the uh, cart for the horse there. It's certainly <laughs> well, as long as he doesn't carry his own luggage back yeah. to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we've had some positives, and then how about the, how about that uh, Mike Bustakis fella? He's done pretty well. I can't believe that. Uh, Three forty something OBP. That's uh, that's a nice surprise from him. That's because his batting average is up three twenty five before today. Yeah, I think he had a. I think his bat was like five hundred or something. No, not even close. Three thirteen. Never mind. That was like five. So that surprises me the most too, because uh, you know I figured that with the dreadful lineup around him, especially with Salvi out, oh yeah, that he would get absolutely nothing good to hit this year. Yeah. And, and, you know, last year, I think you noted, you pointed out that he was really swinging yeah, at anything near the strike zone, which, you know, I thought he, you know, in a contract year where he didn't get the contract he wanted, I thought he was going to press and start swinging things out of the strike zone and, and really take a poor approach to the plate. And and he hasn't, that hasn't been the case at all. I mean, he's been a very nice, I don't know, a surprise because he's he's been like this, you know, the last couple of years, 
But uh, you know, to really kind of take things a whole whole another level, I think has been uh, pretty encouraging. I guess encouraging for him too if he wants to test that market out uh, next winter. I mean, do you think? Do you guys think that he has improved his his like free agent uh, opportunities this this winter? I mean, he is going to be up against Manny Machado and Josh Johnson, so yeah. I don't know even if he improves his chances if that'll you know so, help things out much. I've I've been I've been thinking about this a lot, and I might even consider writing about it. Um, so at the deadline last year, and I know I've said this on Twitter, I know it's the deadline last year, the market. You know, everybody kind of complained about how bad the market was for um, for anybody. And J.D. Martinez got, you know, three low-A prospect shortstops. I mean, you know, it just wasn't a good return overall. I'm not – I'm really not convinced that Moustakis' trade value – as far as trade value for this July. I'm not – I'm really not convinced that that's any better than it was last year. Yeah, he's cheaper, but it's not like – he's not that – insanely much cheaper you know it's not like you're talking 30 million compared to 5 million i mean yeah he's about half price but it's still not that much and uh i don't know like if nobody really wanted him at the deadline necessarily or they weren't happy with the returns is anything better at this deadline i mean he's a year older i guess a lot of the concern was you know is he going to keep up what he did last year and he has so far um but i mean i don't know i'm just not I'm not entirely convinced that he's, you know, necessarily like much, much better. And I also think that there's no way that they don't trade him because there's no reason to keep him for the rest of the year because you can't offer him a QO again. So the only thing they're going to get in value of him is through trade at this point. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think his trade value is any better. And I don't necessarily think that unless he can keep up this 330, 340 OBP, I don't think that teams are going to be clamoring for him necessarily. But... That's just my thought. Jeremy, what do you think? I, you, you talk about trading him, and, and I, you're right that that's the only value the Royals can probably get for him that's going to make sense for their rebuild. But as we've seen with Dayton Moore, he doesn't necessarily make decisions uh-huh. that make sense directly for the future of the rebuild. Uh-huh. And if Moose, it, I, and I agree with you again, that I don't see any reason for Moose's trade market or free agent market to be significantly better this year than it was last year, especially with Machado um, being the guy that that might get traded and yeah. Don, Machado and Donaldson both being free agents. Um, I, I wonder if Dayton might just try and bring him back and say, you yeah. know what, we're going to make you a royal for life. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a good point. That's something that, yeah, I could definitely see... Oh, an extension worked out or something, but yeah, I don't know. That's. I think everybody agrees that it probably makes sense to trade him, but I think we've I think we've seen decisions be made that yeah, like you said, weren't weren't what everybody was thinking when it comes to future. I mean, everybody figured they wouldn't resign Escobar and just would play Mondesi every day, but you know that didn't happen. You know, yeah, it was only a million whatever dollars, but still, I mean, that made an impact on the future not playing Mondesi, and of course he got hurt, but. Um, third baseman, Donaldson, um, Machado, that's really about it. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez, who's kind of had a resurgence. Um, Anybody that can move to third base, like Cozart did? Yeah, Machado, God, he's only 26, jeez. Uh, yeah, not really. Like shortstops, I mean, Eduardo Escobar, uh, maybe not, I mean, he probably doesn't really count. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
that probably he's at least he's definitely behind those guys. And I bet you, oh, like DJ LeMayhew might be able to play third. Josh Harrison could play different spots. Uh, really Jose Bautista. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian Dozier probably is only. I don't know. I mean, there definitely are some guys that. Um, and he's it, definitely back there. And the Royals don't seem sold on uh, Hunter Dozier at no, third, right and Chesler Cuthbert's not doing anything to make us think he's the third baseman of the future right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, especially since Dozier's off to a or was at one. I think he's still it. I mean, he was batting three thirty. He's not batting that anymore, I don't think. But he was off to a really hot start. He's batting out two seventy three. But he's got a 400 OBP, and well, he's got a 409 slugging, so he's almost slugging his almost OBP as much as he's slugging. But yeah, I mean, he's got that 124 WRC plus so far in AAA. So I mean, he's definitely off to a pretty good start. There's no excuse. I guess service time is a consideration, which in his case he'd have to be down until like July or August or something because he already has a couple days of service time. But I mean, that can't be that big of consideration for a 26 year old, right? You wouldn't think, yeah. but. Okay. Um, another kind of positive so far has been Jole, Jole Soler, I almost said. Jorge Soler. Uh, <laughs> off to a pretty dang good spot. We didn't already talk about so I feel like we just talked about him. I'm, I'm going crazy, right? We didn't talk about him? No? We, I no, mean, we no, mentioned no, him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why I feel like we would just discuss him. Uh, got a 137 WRC Plus, had three walks today. OBP is now up at 415. Almost slugging as much as his almost OBPing as much as his slugging, uh, 415 versus 423. Pretty good. Hasn't been great in the outfield necessarily, but has actually made some decent plays. Uh, what do you guys think about the trade value of Jorge Soler, though? The trade value going forward? Yeah. Well, uh, one, why I don't think he's gonna... he's controlled till 2020. Is he a Royal all of that time? Um. I mean, I think I could see him falling out of their favor if, like, he's just a terrible defender and they or he, he's a clubhouse problem and they decide he's just not a, you know, a, he's not part of the royal way or something like that. But I think he's probably here for a couple of years. I think partly because they want to justify the way Davis trade, uh, but also because he's playing well. I mean, I think he gives them something they don't necessarily have a whole lot in the roster, which is a patient eye and a, and a big-time power bat. So... Um, yeah, I think he'll probably stick around for a while, and and yeah, and he's off to a he got off to a dreadful start, and then he's he's really been coming on lately, and and, and is starting to turn around, and I think become the, a little bit of the player we thought he'd be. Um, the power hasn't uh, mm-hmm. I don't think the power has been totally there yet. I mean, he still only has one home run, uh, but he's had some good he's had some good shots. I think that when the weather warms up, I think um, that'll help him out a little bit, uh, but. You know, and the good, the, the most important thing right now, so far, is he's been healthy so far, which yeah. I think has been the big mark on his career. But yeah, I think he's here for the next couple of years. Uh, whether or not he's a productive player for all of those, you know, I think the the book's still out on that. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I guess it's kind of looking back on it now, when Moore made the Solaire for Davis trade, was he doing that? Was he doing that with the idea of trying to good in whatever? What was it, sixteen and seventeen? Or was he doing that because he thought the Royals were going to be good from 16 to, you know, 2020? Because, you know, if he did it for the 16, 17, well, that was kind of maybe tough to see Solaire be that good for that long. And then Davis was already, already good. But do you think that when he made the trade, he thought, okay, for the next four years or five years of control, Sol- Solaire's going to be good and we're good. Do you think he thought that in mind? 
I think Solaire gave him the most options. So, like, I, he was on the cusp of being a productive major leaguer when they were, he was acquired. It was before this 17th season. Oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so he should have been, like, he'd had some, he'd had parts of, parts of uh, major good, you know, good play in major league seasons before. So it seemed like that was the year he was going to be, get 500 plate appearances, 25 home runs, whatever. Yeah, okay. And that didn't happen. Yeah. So that part didn't work out. But their fallback, you know, is that he's, he's still on the team and that they can get some money for him in the next couple of years. If the rebuild happens faster than they expected, then they still have him. If the rebuild's not as fast as they expected, then the NIAC using him as an asset to flip. So I think, right. you know, they kind of want to have their cake and, 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 and eat, eat it too. And in doing so, they probably did maximize their value. And I think you've been pretty critical about that trade for that reason. I think Sam Mellinger as well, uh, because you know, by kind of kind of cutting in half, they really didn't achieve either their goals. But you know, we'll see. Maybe Hilaire can can at least salvage some of the value of that trade, and uh, you know, either an asset going forward or a player that can be part of the rebuild. I've never heard cutting them in half before, so I'm going to use that all the time. I'm going to get a lot of looks. <laughs> you never heard that? It's all King Solomon. Uh-uh. He cut a baby in half? Well, it sounds like you need to go to church, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, and I agree. I, I think that, I think that yeah, they probably thought, okay, this is a long-term asset. At, at a minimum, this is a long-term player that becomes an actual asset or becomes the – I think they like the ability for it to be an asset. Makes sense. Um, and it's kind of overall with more moves, which is a great segue into dating more moves – uh, Matthew Lamar had a great week kind of asking readers, and I'd have to look back consensus answer was on the poll, um, asking about Dayton Moore's leash, and I fired off in the comments with my opinion, but I'll, I'll save that for later. Um, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on kind of overall, I think maybe, let's go two-parter, expectations for what exemplifies a good next few years, or at least what would keep him in the organization, and then kind of how long to reach that. What do you guys think, you know, respect? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead, Jeremy. Um, the expectation has got to be some people uh, start showing up, some players start showing up in some top 100 lists um, at the very at the very minimum. And I think that we need – I would like to see, uh, I want to say, three guys on the top 100. That might be That might be too much, maybe just two. Uh, by next year, and, and whether that is from drafting or it's from trading some of the guys that we've got this year, like Duda, Mustakis, whoever, um, I think that's that's kind of where we need to start if we're going to be competitive anytime soon. And what well, was yeah, the other yeah, part yeah. of your question, Max? Oh, oh, uh, you know, I, I think he's probably. I mean, Dave Moore is probably here as long as he wants to be, I think. Um, you know, whether will he have to change his scouting director at some point? I think that's that's a possibility. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm not as pessim- I'm not as down on his tenure as maybe some other writers and, and, and readers on the site. Uh, and I think winning a championship has a lot to do with that. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to forget or it's hard to remember that, you know, how bad this team was. When they when they when he took it over, I know you've argued that they're in a, a worse place now, but you know he took a really bad franchise and took him to the championship. Uh, and it wasn't and it's hard to argue it was a fluke because they were pretty good for a couple of years there, winning two pennants. So yeah. I think he's I think he's probably there uh, as long as he wants to be. 
whether or not he should. I mean, I could see where he, he would wear out his welcome if, if he was just truly behind the curve. And, and you know, look, his moves the last two years have been pretty terrible. Uh, and you can't put that on the scouting director. I mean, just his trades and free agents have been really disastrous. And I think a lot of that's because of the, flaw, the, of the direction of the organization where they were trying to do two things at once and it just wasn't working, trying to compete and, and rebuild at the same time. So... Um, you know, let's see how the rebuild goes. I mean, I, I think he's, he's, I think he's earned a shot at rebuilding this franchise. And if we're, if we're like four years into the rebuild and we look like we're the, where the Cincinnati Reds are right now, which looks like a, you know, a mess yeah, right now yeah. where they have a you know future hall of fame player and just you know, a roster full of crap around it. Um, then, then that's going to be really problematic. And that's probably at the point where maybe, maybe the, you know, the, the voices for, for, you know, bringing some refreshed blood, Start getting louder, uh, but uh, but you know, let's be honest. His replacement's probably in house right now. If yeah. it's not JJ Piccolo, it's yeah. Renee, Renee Francisco, or someone else. Yeah, and who knows if either of those guys? I mean, you know, it when you go with uh, new GMs, they usually like to clear house. But yeah, there's probably very little to the idea that if Piccolo was the GM or Goldberg or whoever ends up being the GM, they're probably not you know clearing house. They're, so you kind of. You know that's not great if they if the reason more goes is because of bad drafting or you know bad decision making. Well, right behind them is the guy who's made all the picks or the guy who's kind of co-signed on all the trades and everything. So it's definitely kind of and not to get political here, but it's kind of like the Trump where yeah you could you could you could kick Trump out of the White House, but then you've got you know the maybe not a better option right behind him in the VP with Pence. So yeah, and the and the and um, this probably doesn't have any bearing on this but you know the, Dayton Moore is the I believe the only general manager the Royals have hired outside the organization since oh. their first general manager Cedric Tallis everyone else was been has been promoted yeah. from within so yeah. that's kind of how this franchise has rolled over the years yeah yeah okay um what, what do you think David Glass well David Glass probably passes it down to his to Dan Glass right I would imagine you think if they. If I would assume team, that's yeah. I would assume that's the that's the plan. Yeah. I don't. I don't foresee them selling. I don't think anyone's. I think uh, you know everyone's kind of assumed that the, the Glass family will keep it. I yeah. mean, what else is Dan going to do? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't know that he has a whole lot of uh, business interests other than the Royals right now. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, sit back and watch more Walmart stock go up. I think that's that's his day to day. Okay, well that's. It's good stuff. Uh, so we've got the draft coming up, which we can discuss just a bit here. Um, the Royals have, let me get this right, picks 18, 33, 34, and 40, and 50-something? 50 58? No? Does that sound right? Anyone want to verify that? Let me see. You guys are really going dead air on me, huh? <laughs> I, I didn't have that on my fingertips. No, it's okay. Let me look up right now. Because uh, I've been doing a little bit of draft kind of stuff and just looking. So the Royals' second pick or second round pick is going to be fifty-eight. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. So they'll have the so they'll have their first eighteenth pick, first round. They'll have because Tampa got man, Tampa got two. Oh, I guess they got one comp pick, but they also got the Drew Rasmussen pick. Okay. And then they got thirty-three and thirty-four, and then forty, and then. Yep. Okay. Cool. Then fifty-eight. Random. There's nobody this year that's going to get it. Well, maybe Kelvin. You think Kelvin Herrera gets a QO? Just, 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 you know, just assume his yeah. season goes good. You know. No. He will not. 
I think he gets traded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think if someone else gets a QO in this offseason because they could because they could potentially have like a top five pick and then they'll get their QO pick and then they're going to be in the competitive balance round. Uh, oh wait, no, they are in A this year. Okay, never mind. I thought they were in B this year. Duh, they're in A, so they'll go to they'll go to. I think they swap every year. Am I right on that? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, that's right. So they'll go to round B next year. Okay, never mind then. Um, I, believe, I believe that's correct. Okay. Don't quote me on that. No, I believe it's correct. Quote me on that. Um, I'll take credit if I'm right. If uh, <laughs> so, okay. So I don't know. There's just, and I know we'll have more draft stuff that coming out here. Um, but I, I know that some folks have been thinking like, oh, let's, they got a big pool, which is great. But I think, would you guys be just opposed to going, you know, just best player, best player available for all three straight picks, right? Or even all four straight, right? Or do you guys think that they should maybe try and pull, a, you know, like they did with Dozier Mania yeah, with this draft? Um, well, it sounds like team that, that. Uh, we were talking about strategizing where you kind of look for a, a signable guy early and then that gives you more money to play with later on. That's kind of the, is that what you're kind of implying with the, yeah. the strategy? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like teams are able to do that less. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, it doesn't sound like so many, as many guys are falling uh, down the draft board for signability reasons no. because of the slotting system. So I, I guess if that scenario is there, you should explore it. Um, so I want to say, well, this was even that was a while ago. Dylan was a Dylan, uh, what's his name? Cease, Crease with uh, yeah, the Cease White Sox. Cup. Yeah, yeah, the Cubs. Yeah, Dylan Cease. Uh, but he kind of he was like a big first yeah. round guy that kind of fell, I believe, for signability reasons with the Cubs. But yeah, and even that was like quite a few years ago. So I don't I don't know if that your teams do that as much anymore. But um, oh yeah, I think you probably have to go best available. I mean, you may want to lean a little towards pitching just because there is such an absence of that in the system. Whereas like. There are some hitters you could point to in the system, but I think you probably want to go with the best player available. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I don't know, you guys may disagree, but no, no, I agree. I definitely think with eighteen, like the the slot money is great, and it allows you to take more chances at you know uh, at uh, at thirty three, thirty four, forty. Especially since if you take a guy, I mean. The, the the beauty would be if the Royals had maybe just a little higher pick where they were like 1 through 10 range because those guys you can just automatically, especially you know if you have the first overall pick, you don't have to offer that player. A, you basically offer them exactly what the number 2 slot is. And you automatically have saved you know a million or so, maybe not a million, but you've automatically saved a bunch of money because there's no way that that guy is going to turn down to just to go one because he can't go any higher next year he's got to be the number one so one through ten you can kind of play those things where i'm not going to give you a dollar more than what the pick behind you behind me would be but at 18 you kind of have to pay you have to leave some room some wiggle room for like okay i can pay this guy above slot you know because he can turn me down and come back next year yeah i get the comp pick next year at that spot but i definitely think that the royals have to take a guy that they they have to leave a little wiggle room. They can't, you know, they can't really necessarily play with the money. They have a bunch, but I'd rather than just pick the best player available um, and, you know, pay the cost for that rather than try and go, you know, finding a cheap guy just to go spend more money at 33 where you the guy you want might not even be there at 33. Because imagine if Shamanaya wasn't even there at whatever it was, 35 or 32 uh, when they took Dozier at 8. I mean, if he wasn't even there, 
it's like, okay, I mean, you played the slot game, but you kind of lost because now you've thrown away your eighth, not thrown away, but you've lessened your eighth pick, and now you might have, you know, gotten what you would have gotten anyways. So, I don't know. Jeremy? Do you have a sense? Oh, sorry. Uh, do you have a sense of, you know, how deep this draft draft is or how? Um, it, no. Yeah, know, it, it, does it look like the Royals have a decent, decent, you know, uh, selection well, of players to choose from what they pick? Here's the problem. The draft, guess, take a guess what this draft is deep in. What the one type of player this draft is deep in. Tools the outfielders? Uh, close. Uh, prep pitching. Oh, okay. Which well, is, they could use that. Yeah, but that's the Royals, like, Achilles heel, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I mentioned this the other day, that the only the only prep pitcher to pitch for the Royals, to be drafted and pitch for the Royals, was since 2008, was Jake Junis, and that was 2011. Every other prep pitcher they've taken has not. Uh, Tim Melville debuted for the Reds, but he didn't, you know. And even, we're really mm-hmm. stretching the, the boundaries there for calling Tim Melville anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Royals have just whiffed on prep pitching with... Russell and Watson and um, Griffin and I'm probably missing someone, but um, anyways, uh, blew it. And blew it's not so bad, but blew it's you know not a great example. So I mean, they're probably going to take a prep pitcher at 18th. I would bet they're almost certainly not going to take a college hitter, uh, much to my chagrin. Um, but <laughs> they they definitely are going to. I think they're going to take. I think they could actually take a college pitcher at 18, um, and then. Probably throw some money at some prep pitchers at 33, 34, and 40. Prep pitchers or prep hitters. They definitely need to, at 33, 34, or 40, they need to just take a guy who has an insane demand. And if you sign him, great. If not, then oh well. Um, I'm talking someone like Kyler Murray, who's going to be a huge signing issue um, because he's got that commitment to Oklahoma, but he's got insane upside, super toolsy guy. Um, or take like a you know kind of a flame throwing um, like prep pitcher or something there. So they've got some options, but they're all, they're almost certainly going to pick either a, a prep pitcher or a college pitcher at eighteen. I would I would almost guarantee it. So I don't well, that's know. encouraging. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There are actually some decent college pitchers too. Some guys that I like, um, but I don't know. I I would love to see us take a college bat. Um, I. Who is the? I guess Dozier counts. I'm trying to think who the last college bet they've taken early. Would it have been Dozier and Cologne, right? Am I missing anybody? No. Yeah, Cologne. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, Christian Cologne. Yeah, I know. World Series here. Is he even playing anymore? No, I don't think. Yeah, so. he's with the oh. he's with the Marlins AAA team. No, I think he got. I think he cleared oh. waivers and is in the, in the minors. I could be wrong. He's but, with the Braves um, now. I just. I thought, went, yeah. Braves, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew he got picked up on some AAA yeah, roster. Yeah. He, yeah, and he's right. batting 160 in AAA. Oy. Or no, wait, I'm looking the wrong ways. 222 in AAA, 68 WRC plus. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, because free agency by the yeah the Marlins. Oh, so they waived him. Oh, he just granted free agency and then they signed him in December. The Braves hit. Okay. Without looking, what is Christian Cologne's career earnings? What do you guys think they are? How much do you think he's made? Including his draft bonus? No, skip his draft bonus. Okay. Um, I don't. He was never arbitration eligible, so like a million and a half, two million. Exactly, a million and a half, one point five nine. Okay, pretty good. Yeah, um, not a bad. Not a. That's his draft bonus. Not a bad outcome for Christian Cologne. 
And I don't want to knock our old good friend Josh Dugan, but remember, uh, there was a time when we were debating whether or not it should be him or Whit Merrifield yeah, starting at second base. <laughs> I know. And it, was a, and it was a good debate, and then we didn't know who, yeah. would, uh, who would be the better option. No, I, and I definitely would have sided with Josh, too. Uh, but, I did you know, pick the yeah. Yeah. yeah, we all would have. Yeah. yeah, right. Oh, okay. Okay, folks. Well, I don't know. We kind of made this one a speedy one. What else do you guys have on the docket? Anything that you, you've been thinking about or got kicking? Um, what do you make of Jake Junis? I was, I I want to ask you, Sean, um, cause I've kind of always said, okay, he's a, you know, nice fourth or fifth starter. He's, you know, after his first couple starts last year, he pitched really well down the stretch. He's, he's pitched pretty well so far this year. Does that change our expectations of him a little bit? Or is he just kind of going, going through a hot streak and, and he kind of is what he is. Yeah. You know, I was looking at his profile again I mean, just like a week ago. Let me just see if it's changed before I put my foot in my mouth. But he had like a no home run rate. He had 100% strain. I mean, there's definitely some luck going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, no. I mean, I I think this is a reasonable – well, a two ERA is not reasonable. But, no, he's at a 4.01 FIP. I mean, I think that's reasonable. He doesn't do – doesn't necessarily do anything wrong. Um, Doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. You know, his command – so if you look at his overall profile, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. But am I crazy that sometimes his command just seems to disappear? I feel like I'm not making this up. I because I, I mean he hit a whole bunch of yeah, guys this year. He hit three batters yeah. in one game. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It, it feels like he, he, and maybe it's because here's just my theory. He doesn't walk a lot of guys because his pitches are just kind of so average. That guys just make contact. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. He doesn't get to a lot of four balls. You know, he gets to maybe three ball counts, but he doesn't walk a lot of guys because by pitch four, or three or four or five, they've already put the ball in play. So that kind of helps negate that because he doesn't strike out a lot of hitters. He's striking out uh, 6.75 per nine or 19% of hitters um, so far, and the league average is 23%, I think. Um, so, you know, below average strikeouts, but above average walk rate. And I think his soft contact actually was pretty decent. Um, so He's got a 169 BABIP right now. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Yeah, right. And then he had that no home run rate. I mean, I, at one point he hadn't given up a home run on the year. I think he's actually given up a couple since then. But, yeah, 169 BABIP. So, no, I mean, he's not a two ERA pitcher. Um, but I think, I think his current FIP, I think four-ish is about right. Nice big gap. I mean, two. I, there's a, a two-run gap between his FIP and his ERA, and then there's a half-a-run gap between his FIP and his ex-FIP. And good Lord, if none of our listeners know what any of that is, I'm, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I just realized... I wonder... Yeah. I wonder if he might be benefiting more from the shifting than oh. the than maybe the other guys. If he's a contact pitcher to begin with, yeah. mm-hmm. if he's if he's convincing them to hit into the shifts, whereas well, Danny Duffy the other day was getting them to hit away from the shift. Let's look it up. Then, yeah. then that would help him. So this year, I'll just do this year. I should really do since the start of last year. But So this year, so for 2018, he has a .226 Woba with the shift. And he's got a 2.36 Wobo without the shift. Well, not without the shift, but I can't say not shift. Oh, I can. Yeah, no shift. Yeah, no .071. So he's actually, it's definitely a small sample. But he's done better with no shift than he has with the shift this year. 
if that makes sense. Uh, but I'm really curious how long they go with the shifts. I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's been oh kind of like pulling teeth to get yeah. them to do this like this. I feel like the analytics team has been saying this for a couple of years. Oh yeah. And Ned Yost has finally been like, okay, I don't have Hosmer. I don't uh, you know have some of the guys I've had in the past. So and we have nothing to lose now. So I'll, I'll give it a shot just oh, yeah. to kind of keep them off my back. And you know if it's June and it looks like they're giving up a lot of hits because of the shift, then they'll yeah. abandon. <laughs> you know that every time a ball makes it past Escobar or somebody because of the shift, Ned Yost just like screams internally. Like, yeah, if we didn't shift, but and and you know what? There's been a bit of pushback. Maybe not pushback, but I definitely know Rex and Ryan have been like. Seems like really anti-shift. I know Hudler seems like he's like mm-hmm. really against it. Lee Judge has already had his column oh, like. Yes. Um, yeah, the shift, you know, we'll see if it works. Like, you know, usually managers managers accept it because they don't want to get fired. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I mean, kudos for them for, for trying. And, and look, Medios has given it lip service. I mean, you know, everything he said public court about it. And Whitmer had some really good things to say about, like, you know, and he seemed to understand, you know, hey, yeah, it looks like you're going to give up hits every once in a while. But over the long run, like in Vegas, you'll you'll turn out, um, you know, like you'll, you'll be the house and it'll, the odds will be in your favor. So, it seems it sounds like they kind of get it, but you know when you're when you're actually out there on the field, and you see balls going to where the shortstop should be yeah. or would be normally, uh, I'm sure it can be a pretty frustrating experience. And you know that's this that's a big I think that's a big thing for analytics now that that, that a lot of teams have I think gotten is buy-in by the players and coaching staff, and you know the Royals may be behind the curve, you know not only in their analytics but in from from the team maybe maybe this is the first step in, in catching up in that respect. Yeah, it definitely will be interesting to see because, I mean, you're right. It's in teeth to, to get them to go to this finally. And despite the whole league getting there and the Astros, you know, winning the World Series based off of advanced you know, analytics, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Or the Cubs, too. You know, I don't know. It's It definitely feels like is, is there a team? Is there a franchise you think that's maybe less open to analytics than the Royals right now? And I, and I, and I know that the Royals have had a good analytics team in the World Series. We're all like... Oh, they have a really good analytics department, um, but you know the game has kind of also kind of moved moved since, since then. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, sure the Reds are the Reds particularly analytical? Oh, maybe they are. No, it's it not, doesn't seem not like doesn't succeeding seem, it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they are. The Orioles probably aren't, even though Buck Showalter's yeah. not so bad. But I, I can't imagine you just to you know a ten-year deferred deal for 150 million if you're highly analytical. Um, <laughs> the Marlins are probably too too cheap to really invest yeah. in the analytics department. Yeah, the Tigers um, maybe the Tigers don't. Yeah, the t- they said they're they were going to beef it up under a- Avila, but no, um, okay. I think a lot of people are kind of skeptical. But they are. I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that Allen's are yeah. That's a really good one. Um, definitely the Cubs are. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, the Dime. Well, the Diamondbacks weren't the Diamondbacks metrics with. Uh, but with Larissa and Stewart, yeah, 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 with both Dave Stewart, yeah, yeah, they were awful. But, oh my God, that team! That, that's that's the worst. <laughs> like I, I you know, obviously I'm not a fan of the date more tenure necessarily, but that is that Diamondback tenure is awesome, terrible. So I don't know. Okay, uh, so what else do you guys have? Anything that's been stuck around or? What about uh, Jason Hamill? He's pitching really well right now. Yeah. What are the? Uh, what do you think? You think he's got any trade value, or you think everyone's going to look at him and go, uh, 
he's he's gonna fall apart like Jason. Yeah. He's thirty five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's marginal trade value. I mean, anybody that was a former Oriole basically has no trade value. I mean, can you name me one good former Orioles player? Uh, Manny I mean, Machado next year. Former, <laughs> former Orioles player. <laughs> I mean, in 2014, he was having, like, a career year, and he was, like, the throw-in in a trade to the A's oh, for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Samarja, wasn't he? So, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you can – and he's making a lot of money now, so. Yeah. No, I think I, – uh, what does he have a buyout? Oh, two million dollar buyout. Okay. I was thinking – Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's particularly going to bring anything back. I mean, yeah, he might get if, you, if you it, some flyer, you know, like a low-level flyer. So – so basically, the Royals are going to be sellers at the deadline, and they're not going to have anything to nope. sell. Nope. The, you, the best time <laughs> to sell would have been last year, but they didn't. Um, if you had, if you had to predict how many guys they end up trading, though, how what would be your kind of over under number? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, so you got to get Kelvin Herrera possibly, Mustakas, Duda. Herrera's going to have the most value out of all of them. Yeah. Assuming he continues pitching close to this well. Yeah. Don't hold your breath though. Um, yeah. So. So Herrera for sure, Mustak. Well, oh, not for sure, but Herrera likely. Herrera, Mustakis, Duda. You guys think Duda's on the docket? Yeah, Duffy. Yeah, I think so. I think. But I does think anybody it. really want a first baseman who can only hit right-handed pitchers? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, the bench bat maybe. I can see a role for that as a bit. I mean, he was traded last year to the uh, Rays. Yeah. So I'll say that wasn't for it wasn't for much at all, but. I'll say, I'll say three. I want to say four, but to do, I'll say three and a half, three and a half, just to make over under fair. Mm-hmm. I think I put it a little lower. I put it about two and a half. I think there's, I think there's some guys that should trade that they won't, and they'll say, oh, we didn't get offered enough for them, yeah. and we see some value in winning games, and yeah. you know, da 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 da. Yeah, that's and, what's going to happen with no, Stockus for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sure would be. Or nice you know, I Danny Duffy would, you know, not be. Stinking. Yeah. Well, he'll no. turn it. He'll turn it around. Yeah. No, I yeah. definitely think. Assuming he's not hurt. Yeah, I know. I, 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 or, or torpedoing his own trade value so he can stay in Kansas City. Bury me a royal with the seven. I like that theory. He wants. He really wants to be buried a royal. That's what he's. He's doing his part. Yeah. No offense, but there's better weather out. I mean, I. I thought about moving. Just the other day, I thought about how quickly can I sell my house and move anywhere else because of the weather. <laughs> um, so I would. I couldn't imagine. Well, I'm sure he doesn't purposely. He doesn't live here in the winter. I'm saying I couldn't imagine being like, oh, I can, you know, I definitely want to stay here. Uh, or maybe he's trying to help Dayton tank. Yeah, maybe they've got to back. Like, like how there's revenue sharing. Maybe he's like, hey, you know, I'll pay you more money if you every every loss we get. I don't know, but that does kind of make you sad. That Duffy's a cool dude and definitely a guy you root for, but he just has been bad to start the year and for. So much that he's even changed back to the way he used to be. I mean, so much that he's even gone back to the stretch or to the the windup, um, which I don't know if that really. Uh, I don't know if anything's changed. Uh, maybe, maybe that's something to look into. Hmm. Does anybody know a website that we could that would be could use that content? How much better Danny Duffy? You know what? Uh, my favorite site is RoyalsReview.com. That's where yeah. I follow my okay. insights of uh, Royals commentary I like and the humor. Yeah, I think I think I agree. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. you're gonna preview your article tomorrow while you're joining the athletics. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. What else do you guys have? 
here's a question for you. Oh, wait, 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 sorry, wait, wait, sorry. I'm going to forget this if I don't bring it up right now. How about the Phillies? <laughs> Hang on, I can't remember what their record is. They're now. like uh, 13 and something. They're good. They were they were good. Yeah, good time I looked. I wanted to make seven. sure they were still good. Yeah, they're they're and they're in the wild card. They're yeah. the number one wild card right yeah. now. Yeah. So How about them? Huh. Well, okay. Hey, uh. That's right. Ready to change your allegiances yet? You were ready though, Jeremy, to write them off because of your homeboy uh Gabe Kapler. Just what a mess. I was I was freaking out for a second. I was like, "What's going on?" Everyone's saying Gabe Kapler, and then I went and looked at the record, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> he can do weird stuff as long as they win. I don't care." Yeah. Huh. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, I was gonna ask uh, over under on how many more appearances Justin Grimm and Blaine Ooh. Boyer get before before they're gone. I thought I didn't think Boyer would make the trip home. I, I didn't either. Yeah. I thought they're going to leave him in Detroit or Toronto. Yes. Uh, but I guess when you save everyone's life by, yeah. by rescuing everyone uh, from uh, from ice shattering on the bus and knocking out the driver, I guess kind of it's it's kind of a bad uh, bad move to fi- to fire a guy so and release him. So I uh, made I just can't see him getting any more appearances. I mean, Clay Buckholtz is probably going to join the team in a week. And they're going to need a 40-man roster spot to add him. And, like, the target's got to be on Blaine Boyer's back at that point. I don't, I Miguel Alonte's already gone. Can't yeah, can't use that spot. So, um, and I, yeah, there's not a whole lot of 40-man roster spots that would make sense right now. Like, unless you are just willing to cut a guy that has a little bit of upside. Um, so, yeah, it seems like Blaine Boyer's the guy to go. Justin Grimm, I think, hangs around just because... He's yeah. younger. Yeah, he I was thinking Grimlocky, I think. Yeah, Boyer's, Boyer's the... If they don't already have his you know, DFA paperwork halfway into the fax machine to MLB office just waiting to hit send, then I I don't know. But they... Uh, yeah, he's an easy they, one. That's a quick one you can they, get away from. They've played in 17 total games between the two of them, and they're worth negative 1.1 FR. <laughs> It's just insane. It's been efficient. Their their awfulness has been efficient, at least. So, I would, uh, yeah. And there's like so many other guys that they could call up too to just, uh, I don't know. That's frustrating. But there's nobody. I was looking when I was uh, when I was writing my thing for Saturday. I was looking in the minor leagues just to see what was going on with the relievers, and there's nobody that's really standing out a lot. Um, and there there were a couple guys, a couple starters that I thought looked okay that maybe if the Royals were trying to win if the Royals thought we just need one more reliever they yeah. might say okay you we're going to try you but it doesn't make sense to do it with the way everything's going so I, I thought maybe that's why one of the reasons Boyer and Grimmer still here is because there's nobody that's just like banging on the door in the minor leagues right now yeah no I de- yeah no that's true there are definitely I mean Excuse me. They could, they could be taking a good look at like the wa- the waiver wire for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's been guys. Oh yeah, didn't uh, the cu- there's a couple guys that got cut over the weekend that uh, that might work out better than Grimm and Boyer, and they're both and then are younger uh, than them. Yeah, AJ like Akil Morris let go by the Braves, and yeah. he's got you know he's got control issues, but he's a good live arm. He's like 25 years old. AJ Cole was a former top 100 prospect who has never put up very good numbers, but you know he's. A guy that scouts have liked in the past, and 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 maybe you move him to the bullpen, and he figures it out like Wade Davis. You know, there's there's guys that have been available that are, you know, look, they're not great. There's yeah. a reason they're on the waiver wire, but yeah. um, 
what does Blaine Boyer give you exactly? Yeah. I mean, he's, he, you know, his, at best, you know, his upside is that he's the guy he was last year, which was the last guy out of the bullpen for was the Red Sox last year. I mean, like you don't—he's yeah. not like a guy that you can count on. So, yeah, uh, yeah. AJ Cole, um, Alec Asher, who I could have sworn he was a top runner prospect, but he wasn't. Uh, but he—he he was decent with Texas. He was at least a decent prospect. Yeah. Uh, was it, that's really wasn't bad. there a, uh, a Rule 5 guy that got cut too? Nestor uh, Colina, I think, for the Orioles got sent back. Ah, okay. Recently, he, he was kind of raw, but he had a, he had a pretty live arm. Um, Justin Nicolino, I think, for the Marlins. Yes. I think that was probably yes. before the season started. He was a top one. But he was let go. Yeah. So there's been some arms available. Then, like, when you're in the Royals position, you should be taking a good hard look at pretty much everyone that passes through the waiver wire. Yeah. <laughs> so He was the 73rd overall prospect per BP at one point. Nicolino was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. There's a bunch of guys, and like I would even, and there's a bunch of like not decent guys, but like Trace Thompson, I think just got DFA. Yeah, and yeah. he's not good, but I mean, didn't he just didn't he just get signed by the White Sox again, or they traded for him again? Uh, no, he got picked up. Yeah, he did just get he got released by the Athletic. Oh, he got traded to the Athletics for cash. And he again, he's a not, he's not a guy that's great, but yeah. look at his numbers compared to like Paulo Orlando. Like, yeah. Yes. And he's like what, five years younger. Yes. Yeah, so um, is he a Lane switch hitter? Adam, Lane, Lane Adams, yeah, uh, Lane former Adams, Royal Lane Adams, the Braves, who's put up pretty good major league numbers in a very limited sample set. But you know he's twenty six, seven, twenty six or seven. Uh, good speed, and I'd probably rather see him on this sure. roster than Abraham Almonte or yeah. Paul Orlando or a couple other guys. So and he's, I don't know. He's yeah, not a switch hitter. Know. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, well, that's, so Thompson got. He got waived by the Dodgers, claimed by the Yankees, waived by the Yankees, claimed by Oakland. This is in a week, within a week. Uh, DFA by Oakland, traded to the, the White Sox for cash. Yep, and then that's it. Now he's back with the White Sox. So he's been. All and, and then you know, the the odds are most of these guys will never amount to anything. Yeah. But look, J.D. Martinez was put on waivers by the Astros and picked yeah. up by the Tigers, and look what happened. I yeah. mean, that, you know, Jose Bautista. Was put on waivers. Oh no, I guess he was traded by the Pirates. But yeah. you know, he was on waivers several times before that. I mean, get, these guys get put on waivers, and you know, for for a reason. But when you're a team like the Royals, you can afford to take a chance on these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, another name we haven't mentioned that that got put on waivers that maybe you can give a chance to Miguel Almonte. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did he get put on waivers again? No, but uh, just originally. I think he's been hurt. He's hurt to start the year. But wait, who did he get? Who did got he get picked up by? And the, the Angels picked him up. The Angels, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, well, they didn't they technically train him for cash. That's true. That is. Yeah, yeah. But he was he was he was put on waivers and and they traded for him. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's uh, seems like a nice little show. Anything that I'm missing? Anything else we we've got on the docket? Now that I've apologized to Jeremy about the Phillies. <laughs> well, I, I we'll be ramping up our draft coverage. Oh, yes. I'm sure. I mean, I, I think people are going to be really interested in the June draft this yes. year. And, I know you got a lot of things you're kind of planning on, um, you know, scouting reports and strategy sessions and yep. stuff like that. So I'll be, I'll be, I think we'll be all be really interested in reading what you have yep. to. And it'll have definitely that, be so. nice to have uh, Patrick Brennan, Alex Duvall, kind of helping out this year rather mm-hmm. than just. Uh, yeah, they know their stuff. Yep, and then we'll have Sickles, especially yeah, and they, you know, shout out to Royals Farm Report, they run that, but um, it is kind of nice to have someone else alongside and Patrick does a good job obviously too so it'll be a ton of coverage from us particularly on draft night I will be in Japan on draft night 
Um, it'll be like two in the afternoon or something for me. Uh, I, I purposely changed my flight so that originally I was supposed to be, I would be flying, you know, over the, you know, Pacific Ocean uh, during the draft, but we're actually going to get there a day earlier. So I will be live from Japan for this draft. So the last Are time... Are you scouting out yeah. players? No, no. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm one of the... Looking for the next Daryl May? Yeah. Otani was pitching in Osaka two years ago when I was there, um, but my brother's wedding was on that exact same day, so it's tough to tough to say, hey, can I miss your wedding so I can go watch Otani pitch? I don't think he would have enjoyed that. Uh, but you know what? He would have gotten over it, I guess. So, okay. What's, uh, what's the occasion yeah. this time? Uh, we just go every two years um, oh, just okay. to go. My sister-in-law is from Osaka, and so we just like to go back. And I love Japan. Cool. And then 2020, the Olympics are in Tokyo. Um, so mm-hmm. we might go for that. So I think every two years we plan on going. We'll see about two years from now. I, we might be burnt out. But Have you have you seen uh, baseball games over there? Uh, no, I have not. I will go this time. The uh, the Hanshin's Dome is right, I mean, is a, you know, two blocks from where we are usually at. And, um we thought about going to different places, but yeah, no, I'll definitely, I'm going to go this time for sure. We were just so busy last time with my brother's wedding that we didn't have time. Um, but this time I absolutely will. So I'll have some good reports for you guys. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I think I'm actually really curious about what Japanese baseball is like. My, um, my sister and brother-in-law went to Korea last year, was it last year or two years ago and went to a Korean baseball game. Oh. They had an absolute, they had a blast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious to hear what the Japanese experience is like. Yeah. So it should be a good time. So I'll be there, but yeah, we have a bunch of draft coverage covering as well as kind of, I don't know, more, I feel like we've thrown out a bunch of more think pieces so far to start the year than maybe we did last year, just because on random thoughts, part of it because of frustration, but another part because I think we're in 16 and 17 and 15, we were definitely in like, all of our stuff was basically focused on going for it and trying to be good as opposed to, I think... I think we've been a, we have the opportunity to be a little more experimental now and with different thoughts. Mm-hmm. Perfect point. Uh, Matthew Lamar wrote about extensions, maybe throwing out extensions to guys. That's maybe not an article that comes out in 15, 16, or 17, but in 18 because we've got kind of younger guys, you know, and time in the majors for those younger guys. That yeah, we can have that. What do you guys think about Matt's article with that though? He raised some good points, right? You know, I I am kind of more of a wait and see. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's a whole lot of guys on the roster right now that are going to be here through the rebuild. Um, I, I see the logic in handing on extensions because very very rarely do they bite you in the butt as you, if you're the club. Like you usually get your money's worth because you know what John Singleton yeah. is one of the only ones I think I can think of that that really was a huge buzz. And what they they lost like seven million dollars in that deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it cost you pretty much nothing. But I mean, like, who's going to be here in twenty twenty one? Really, Junis? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to be good by then. Um, you know, Bonifacio, Mondesi, I guess, if you want to get him locked up. You know, I don't know if those guys are really worth as good enough to warrant locking them up. Uh, but you know, I see the value, I guess, in 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 guaranteeing and it costs certainty in the next couple of years. I just, but I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go that route. Yeah. I, I look at it kind of as a hedge thing like that Singleton one. Mm-hmm. I think they hedged $10 million to save them 25, $30 million. Same thing right. with somebody. Oh, Scott Kingery Kingery's deal where, you know, 
Kingery pushed it a bit. I don't know if I would, and you know, salaries are definitely inflating, so maybe it's worth it now. I mean, you know, maybe I didn't. The numbers aren't perfect from what I used to, what I ran in the past, but like Kingery pushed it to where I don't know if I would guarantee thirty million dollars to save potentially ten-ish, ten, fifteen million dollars. You know, Kingery's probably not the kind of prospect that's you know Chris Bryant, you know uh, Bryce Harper that's going to just kill kill it in arbitration. So it's kind of tough to be like, okay, are we? Is he going to make more than thirty million through arbitration and free agency? Yeah, maybe. But like Singleton, it was easy because even though Singleton wasn't the number one prospect, I think he was like a top twenty or thirty prospect overall. So those mm-hmm. guys are worth, I mean, pretty good chunk of change, thirty something million, I think, in surplus value. And so yeah, I mean, it made sense to basically spend ten million to save. Spend at a at a you know maximum or at a minimum ten million I guess with the options, but uh, to save yourself potentially thirty forty million. But yeah, I mean if these if if, if Mondesi if Junis if these guys want to you know sign for five six years ten eleven million okay sure, but no I, I wouldn't go rushing out to give them you know twenty thirty million dollar deals like the Kingery deal, or someone else got extended as well like at that exact same time right. That it was shortly after the um, oh who was it? No, I'm blind, John it wasn't Tim Anderson. There, anyways, there was somebody else that just got extended right around that same time. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know, Jeremy. What do you think? I I would probably extend Junis at least. I he's been good enough for long enough now that um, I I'm cool with keeping him around. And like you said, for a for a, a, a cheap deal. You know, you know, don't go crazy and and pay him like he's gonna pitch to a two ERA yeah. for the rest of his career. But um, I, Matt Matt was looking at a whole bunch of guys, and out of the out of the bunch of them, I'd look at Junis. Um, if Solaire keeps going the way he's been going, I might look at him. Um, just as especially with Junis, just because they've been so terrible at developing pitching that even if he reverts back to just that. Um, you know, solid number five guy that has value, um, even on a future roster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Kettle Marte, so I'm thinking of. Um, he was he got 24. He got basically the Kingery deal, pretty close to it. Um, so yeah, no, I yeah, I wouldn't be if if you want to extend Junis based off of him being a number four five ish guy. You know, great, that works. Um, but you know, and Junis seems the kind of guy that would maybe accept that, you know, because he's not like a 23-year-old former top, you know, 50 prospect. You know, I can't I can't imagine Ronald Acuna jumping out to sign an extension or, you know, any of these, uh, or, you know, Reese Hoskins. But, yeah, I mean, Junis is 25. You know, he, he kind of spent a very long time in the minors, spent almost six years in the minors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that for a reasonable deal, him or Mondesi or, I don't know. Who? Well, any, is there anybody else that you? Bonifacio and Soler were guys that were brought up a lot too in that yeah. article. I wouldn't do Bonifacio. I don't think. Um, yeah, Soler. I don't think I'd be interested in extending his deal any further than it already is. Because I mean, twenty twenty will put him into what, like thirty one. He he just turned twenty six. Oh, okay. So, so twenty twenty would be twenty eight. Oh wow, really? I Okay, well, I'm way off on that one. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be that interested. I wouldn't be interested in, you know, signing for an additional four years. But, you know, 
to get him for his age 29 and 30 season, you'd have to increase his age 26, 27, 28 salary. Or, well, 27, 28 salary. So, you know, is that worth it, effectively? And I don't know if it would be. What about Blaine Boyer? Would you guys be interested in that? Whew. Can, he's a, he's can we, a heck of a guy. Yeah. Can we extend him to be the bus driver? Yeah. Ten yeah. years. Uh, yeah. Ten year lifetime bus driving. He can drive. I, I, I wouldn't even like. I, I wouldn't even extend him to be like the bullpen. I don't know. I, I have no interest in having retained the services of Blaine Boyer for any capacity. The way the way they talk about him is like they don't even care if he pitches. They just want him to to be the the veteran experience yeah, yeah. in the bullpen. And and I I have to sit here and wonder why you need that when you have a bullpen coach. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and it's not like Herrera's brand new. I mean, you know, yeah. maybe Herrera's not a good choice because uh, this is going to sound extremely offensive, but I don't know how well uh, Herrera speaks English okayish. Right? Am I wrong on that? I feel like no, I've, he's, he's switched yeah, to speaking he's... English in interviews and okay. everything. Okay, good. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. I, I know that I've seen him interview in English, so it's not like it's a language barrier issue. You know, I mean, he could definitely talk to the younger guys, but then again, the bullpen's not exactly you know loaded with you know twenty two, twenty three year old guys necessarily. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I get you. I don't know why Blaine Boyer still is on this team, but I don't know. What are you gonna do? Next time we talk, maybe he won't be. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, what's the absolute minimum you would accept to be in the Royals pitch, take Blaine Boyer's spot for the rest of the year? What's the absolute minimum you would do it for? Uh, give me, uh, I don't know, 70000 80000 I'd do it. <laughs> I think I agree. I think I would do that as well. Yeah. Well, but that'd be a pick. I could, I could hit like sixty. 60 miles an hour with my fastball. Okay. But you only got one pitch, though, huh? I got a curveball. Oh, okay. Circle, or uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you throw it? Uh, it was, Jesus was what? Last time I threw it was like 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just a it's regular like curveball. I, I had a baseball that had, um, like, different grips painted on it. And I learned my curveball from that. Oh no, I had that same baseball. It was like green and red and blue. Yeah, well, mine yeah. at least. Okay, okay, huh? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't ever. I never learned. I, got, I got hit. My baseball story was I played baseball till I was maybe eight or nine, and I got hit with the pitch, and I quit the next day. And I said, <laughs> okay, this was fun, uh, but I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm kind of glad I quit baseball. It's just I don't know. I was in band. I play. I was. I, I lettered in football, but I was also on, on the uh, marching band. So, nah. okay. I, uh, no, I, I, my parents pulled me out of baseball when all I wanted to do was hit. I didn't ever want to field. <laughs> See, I would rather You're the Billy field. Butler, uh, Billy Butler of Little League. Yeah, <laughs> I would have rather been the designated fielder rather than the designated hitter. I didn't like hitting. I like fielding. Um, I was a right fielder too. So, just like, uh, like Justin Maxwell, Jeff Francoeur, those are the guys that I. I always envied, tried to, you know. Did you buy pizza for the for the fans in the outfield? Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty nice. He's he's generally a, a nice guy, I think, but he, uh, I don't want to, we can't get into, into Jeff Francoeur right now. I got too many things going on. I got Westworld to watch. I can't get into an hour tangent on Jeff Francoeur. The, na- <laughs> the natural, as Sports Illustrated 
had the gall to call him. <laughs> they called him the natural. Oh, I think yeah. this sports illustrated. Okay. Okay, guys. We'll wrap it up. Um, as always, you guys can follow more great Royals content here at Royals Review. Like Max said, we've got draft. We've got all sorts of stuff coming up. Um, Max, thank you for coming on. As always, you can find... Uh, oh, thank you, Max. Thank you, Sean. And you can find Max's Twitter at... Uh, at twitter.com slash Max Reaper, M-A-X-R-I-E-P-R-I-E-P-E-R. And then um, we've also got Jeremy, who little, you can't find him, twitter.com slash Jeremy. Wait, hold on. Now I want to see who that is. Jeremy. Twitter.com slash Jeremy gives you some random guy with 13,000 followers, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't do anything. I'm pretty sure he's just a rando, but he got the good Twitter tag. So good for him. Um, but you can find Jeremy on Twitter at Hokaius, H-O-K-I-U-S, right? Is there more? That's correct. Okay. Nope, that's thank, it. Thank you for coming on, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Yes. And then, hold on. Now i got to see who has Max on Twitter. Max, uh, he's a co-founder of, of Instacart. Okay. So that guy might actually do something. But I don't know who actually You know what's crazy is no one, no one has a Twitter handle baseball. What? At baseball is not taken. So... Oh, go, feel free uh, to uh, feel uh, free uh, to take the Twitter handle. It's about baseball. to be. Try to grab that yeah. now. But someone needs to grab that, but make it like like football tweets or something, or nothing to do with baseball, like shopping <laughs> tweets. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, how how am I not at baseball? Oh dang. Okay, man, that's a gold mine. Maybe. No, there's definitely a football and it's soccer. Okay. Right. Of course, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right, guys. Well, as always, everybody, thank you so much for reading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for just uh, putting up with all of our stuff. Um, as always, you can find our stuff at oralsreview.com. We'll have more in the future. And as always, have uh, many, many uh, good days. Bye.